You're listening to Artistic Finance, show 133. Today, we get an update on the Artistic Finance 6K, the $6,000 of investments we made in May of 2021. We're joined by a bond investment CEO, a data analyst, and three lighting designers to review how our investments compare to the S&P 500. Without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Welcome, and thank you for listening. I'm Ethan Steimel, broadcasting out of New York City, and today I welcome back my superstar armchair investor panel. So first up, the CEO of the bond investing app, Liquidify, joining us from Denver, Maitre Gopala Krishnan. Hi, Ethan. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Next, we have lighting designer and project manager joining us from Los Angeles, Ebony Madri. Hey, y'all. What's up? Happy to be back. All right. Next up, we have a leader in data and analytics at Worldwide Wickets Financial joining us from St. Louis, Katie Berman. Hi, excited to be here. And last but not least, the founder of the Financial Independence Book Club, Amy Deluxe, joining us from Nomadland. <laughs> Hello from remote world. <laughs> is Nomadland San Francisco today? No, it is San Jose today. All right, so we are recording this on January 29th, 2023. Hey, Katie over there, uh, can you give us a disclaimer today? Oh, my usual disclaimer, which is that none of us are here to give financial advice. We are sharing our own experiences and opinions based off of things that work for us, but may not be best for everyone. So you should seek a financial professional if you are looking to get advice on investing. That is amazing. Yes, we are here because sharing is caring, but also don't listen to what we share. All right, so everybody, thank you for being here. Now, I'm not gonna explain the backstory of the Artistic Finance 6K, so if you wanna know more about what we're doing, just go back and listen to previous episodes that are titled The Artistic Finance 6K. All right, so first question here, what is the state of the market today? Oh, I can answer this one um, to some extent. It's very uncertain right now. Like no one knows entirely what to do about anything um, from what I've read and what I've seen. Um, so I think there's a lot of just um, fear about not knowing how the federal reserve, like the government is going to take actions in the next couple of months, um, whether or not we're actually going to go into a recession etc. So it's a little bit of a you know, uncertain situation. So I have been tracking the market completely zero. But I will say that when I went to check numbers today, it was on the uptick from last quarter. So doesn't that mean things are going well? I'll jump in there, I guess. I'll, I'd say um, I think we started seeing rebound was that maybe in December. I don't think it is uh, anywhere near what it was before we started seeing the downturn last year. So I'd say like on maybe starting to recover, maybe not. It's um, yeah, like uh, my trace said, it's it's still uncertain. I think. So sometimes I work at Bloomberg News, lighting things, and I can't help but overhear what they're saying on air. I felt like last fall it was basically we're going to have a recession in 2023. So is that still the general idea? Yeah, I think it's 
uh, something that could be on the horizon. Um, it just takes some time to actually see the kind of after effects of what the Federal Reserve does, the way they raise these interest rates, but you don't actually see like what fully happens to the economy until kind of later, I guess. And there's also been a lot of layoffs. Um, you've probably heard from a lot of tech companies um, in the Bay Area and around the world. So that's been, uh, that's definitely going to start kind of influencing the direction of the economy in the next year, I would say. Um, that's that's kind of what I'm seeing. Yeah, I forget because I've always been a freelancer that if a job falls through, I'm like, oh, that's a bummer, one job. And I realized that other people, when they lose their job, that's like a huge thing. Also, I guess a huge impact on the economy, because even like I know, I, well, I don't know this, but I think Amazon and Facebook have been laying people off. It, they'll say like we laid off a thousand people. And to me, I'm like, oh, that's not that significant. But somehow it like affects the whole market. So it must have some sort of impact beyond that. OK, so I'm going to go give an update on the, the 6K that Artistic Finance invested in oh so many years ago <laughs> and see where we are. So I'm going to jump to my super duper spreadsheet to see where our numbers are. The things we invested in were the S&P 500. We also put $1,000 into four different stocks that I picked. Then I picked some REITs, some real estate investment trusts. And then I got some Bitcoin and I invested in some wine and then some art. But I don't count that one because I just bought a piece of art. So the S&P 500 from when we first got it, our $1,000 is now $1,023. So it's up 2.3%, or at least my share of it is up 2.3%. So that's good because last quarter we were down 3%. And of that, I've gotten $26 of dividends for what that's worth. Um, so that accounts for that. So then the four stocks that I picked, um, wildly vary in degrees. Um, one, SKLZ Skills um, is down 95%. Um, but then another, a lithium mining company, is up 60%. And so overall of the four stocks that I picked myself, my $1,000 is now $1,100 or $1,099. So I'm up 9% for those. All right, so the real estate picks that I have, last time they were up overall 1.8%. But I was thinking for real estate, that wasn't a lot because I thought real estate is supposed to be super steady and pay out dividends. And these are doing that. But as opposed to being up 1.8%, they're now up 9%. So I feel like they've, they're back to where I would have expected them to be. And I feel like that's a pretty great return of 10%, roughly. Okay, and then Bitcoin. So Bitcoin has been the thorn in my side. I'm not going to call it a regret. I live life with no regrets. But Bitcoin is now down 58% from when I first purchased it, which may sound terrible, but last time it was down 65%. So I'm actually really thrilled that it's it's on the uptick after a year and a half or almost two years of this. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Um, and then the final investment was wine. I bought uh, one case of wine through VinoVest. And after fees... That has now appreciated up to $1,095. So that's up 9.5% from inception. When I add those all together, I am down 5.76%. That's totally cool. I'm actually totally cool with this. So if the S&P is up 2.3%, I'm trailing the market by 8%, 9%. 
which sounds terrible, but I realized that I, and I can't believe I haven't noticed this before, but everything is up except for Bitcoin and everything is beating the S&P 500 except for Bitcoin. So actually, if I were to remove Bitcoin out of the investments, I would actually, well, I don't know math, so I don't know if I would be beating the S&P 500, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I would because everything is up roughly 10%, except for the S&P, which is up 2.3%. So that was like my big highlight and takeaway from today being like, oh, you know what? Other than that terrible choice of Bitcoin, which is 20% of the portfolio, I actually like stocks are doing what I would expect them to do. Like they're doing well. Like I'm not by choosing like a variety of things. It's actually done well, even with the recession and blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's how I'm feeling with our investments. So question for the group, um, or maybe I'll answer this first. And the question is, should we sell anything or should we rebalance anything? And I'm just feeling good this time around, even though I'm trailing the S&P 500 overall by 8%. I'm thinking, I'm blaming that on Bitcoin and I'm, I'm feeling very happy with these investments. I have a comment on that because, um, you know, I typically, uh, aside from my funsies, Masterworks one, which I'll get into later, I typically uh, invest in index funds with a pretty, pretty um, aggressive portfolio. And I was just going to like set it and forget it. I'm in for the long term. But we read A Cat's Guide to Money uh, by Lillian Kerbeck on our um, FI book club uh, premiere today. And I learned something from that book that I thought was really interesting where she talks about rebalancing. And one thing that I didn't think about because I wasn't going to rebalance because I'm happy with what I what I purchased. But rebalancing, she says, is uh, you know, points out is good to do. Uh, I think she says once a year because when you, you know, if you buy and your stocks are performing well and you are making money from them, then it can, if you're balanced where you have a certain percentage of stocks and a certain percentage in bonds, then when you are gaining stocks because you've picked a stock that is performing well, then you will end up with a higher percentage than uh, you may have, you know, went out for. So, so that is actually how rebalancing can come in handy to keep you with that that risk level to be or your target date to be what you expected. So I thought that was interesting if anybody has another comment on that. But it seems like you should just have rebalancing regularly um, in your in your portfolio, no matter how it's performing, at least once a year, I think. Yeah, I hear you. And I think that's fantastic. And I will say that the way I set this up was the worst possible way to set it up, which is I bought a bunch of things. And so rebalancing is so <laughs> problematic for me. I mean, I could do it, but aforementioned, I'm not so great with math. So like trying to figure out what exactly, I think I would be inclined to just sell out of all the individual picks and then go into the S&P 500 and then find like another index fund that could that I could have some sort of like distribution of percentage of things. And then that's how I would start to rebalance. But I feel like when I look at four different stock picks, four different REITs, one S&P 500, one wine, um, and one Bitcoin, I'm like, oh, that's so many things for me to rebalance. Hence an argument for if I were to do it differently, I would just do index funds and just have like two or three. Yeah, I think, Ethan, I'm in a similar uh, like boat to you, whereas like, I just like go in and I'm like, oh, I like this company or I support their like mission or theory. So it is for me like there's a whole bunch of like individual things. So I'm like, how do I rebalance? Um, 
I also recently like was reading something about how often to rebalance and I was like, oh, uh, I haven't done that like ever. So I should probably do that. Yeah. And I've sort of gone with the philosophy of just buy and hold it forever. And so I haven't thought about the rebalancing. Unless uh, for me, I'm like, uh, this isn't doing as well. And I gave it like six months. So like I'm outie. Like sometimes I'll do that. So then I'll just like sell everything off. But yeah, typically I'm also like a hold on, like you got it. Let's just sit here, hold on to it. If everyone's cool, I'm going to move on to your all investments. And Ebony, just because you're on the chopping block here. (laughs) And I'm really, okay, because again, I don't really watch the news, but I haven't been able to avoid this whole Twitter meltdown situation. And the last time we saw you, you had purchased Tesla. And I just have to know, how's it doing? Okay, very crazy. Because like, I was like, I can't look at this because it's going to stress me out. Um, it's doing very well. And so I'm like, I'm not really sure what's happening or like, are they like, okay, are they like playing with something in the background? Um, even just recently driving around like in the outskirts of LA, there are so many, um, like, uh, new, like Tesla, like warehouses. I was also in, um, Texas recently and there are like two new Tesla warehouses there. And I was like, okay, so like, we hey ha- something has to be going uh well because you're opening up all these warehouses and like manufacturing shops um so yeah i'm i'm up i'm like i'm up i'm just gonna ride it out and not ask any questions so when when did you buy it and how much you are you up from from that point like are you up one percent you up like a thousand percent i'm up like seven percent so i'm not just gonna ride it out like I was like oh okay Mr. Elon like we like this <laughs> like let's just sit here for a moment and they just had they just had earnings this past week and had a really good quarter. like they shot up like I want to say it was like 17% or something the other day like in one day it was a lot because of this past quarter yeah so if any like I need to do more research because like I haven't done any but I was just like okay Elon like Thank you so much for everything that you're doing with the Cybertruck thing. Really appreciate your work here. <laughs> well, I, I kind of half heard this, and so I don't have all of the information, but, and there is a term for it apparently, but I heard that they increased production and dropped the cost way down so people can buy Teslas for like 30 grand less than they did before. And that saturates the market and increases competition. So I would guess that might be related. That makes more sense because literally the other day I was talking to my girlfriend. I was like, do I want a Tesla? Like, I was like, they're like more affordable now. Like, do I want one of those? Um, So that makes so much more sense. I should definitely look into that um, more to see what else is going on. Hey, Ebony, side note here. Carl Faber is putting an episode together about EVs by creatives like people who own them or whatever i feel like you should maybe join in on that because everybody that's on his episode on his panel has evs already but you not having one i feel like that might be interesting for you to sort of like try to decide like oh should i do it shouldn't i do it that would be really cool mostly because they say like california is the perfect climate for them um in the sense of like the weather doesn't fluctuate a lot so the battery actually doesn't like depreciate as much as it would in climates where it gets like very cold and very hot 
which that like affects like the battery life and charging. So yeah, I'd be down. Also, Amy was wanting to know if anybody actually owns Twitter stock. Come on, Amy, we're all very safe players here. Other than Ebony. I had at one point I had Snapchat stock, but I it was not doing well and I like sold it off. I was like, you gotta go, girl. You gotta go. Um, also, I just want to say that the S&P 500, which, by the way, I'm gauging this by how my S&P 500 goes. So this may vary slightly from the actual S&P 500. But I was down 3% last time and up 2.5% this time, which means that it went up 5% since last time. So if you're up, Ebony, 7%, you're beating the S&P 500 by 2% this time around. But no dividends from div- from Tesla. All right. So who who is up next? Apple um, and I was like, to correct myself, I looked it up, and Tesla was up twelve dollars the other day, so it was like probably around ten percent in one day. But anyway, so for my investments, I had so two mutual funds and PayPal stock. Everything has still gone down since last quarter, so. I had initially had like 20% in the first quarter that we did this and got super lucky somehow. And then by last quarter, it was down to like 15% overall. And now I'm down to 11% overall. (laughs) So um, I think in this quarter alone, I've lost, let's see, I don't have that percentage calculator, but PayPal for sure has been my worst one. Um, It has gone down. It has not Give it, it doesn't give dividends or anything like that. The only thing I, I will say that I think I have going for me on the mutual funds is that I got some dividends as well as like capital gains distributions in December because they do this annually. So I think that has saved me from being even worse this quarter. Okay. So, so you're counting the dividends in your total? In my total return. Yes. Um, and I'm reinvesting those as well. Um, I'm like calculating. That's another reason why I have a spreadsheet. I can like calculate um, how those are impacting because that changes like my share quantity each quarter. So, so why was PayPal down, or why where why are all of them down? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't really know for sure. I haven't followed news specifically on PayPal. I know they were having um, just by virtue of the fact my sister in law used to work for. Um, PayPal. And so she left a few months ago. So I haven't heard the news recently, but I know last year they were struggling because of some, I think they were trying to put forth um, some deal in China to be like a payer there for something that ended up falling through. And then generally, I don't know if it's a competition thing or if it's like, as we've heard with all the tech companies laying people off, I think they might've been part of that. So maybe uh, I'm guessing some of that is tied to earnings and stuff like that too, but I haven't followed it as closely as I should. Okay, because because yours, it seems like your picks are following like what the news is saying, like there's going to be a recession this year, whereas mine have done the opposite. Well, and that was the thing because like in the first quarter last, or I say last year, but like the beginning of this thing for us, that was like a complete opposite of what was happening because I think it was just as the market had started dipping. And I was like, I don't know why I have this super positive return. And since then, it has seemed to like correct and go back to like what the rest of the market is doing. So um, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Okay. Well, still 11% overall is fantastic. Yeah. I'm not unhappy. Yeah. Plus the dividends. Exactly. Which are really nice. Yeah. I'm in love with dividends now. If I were to live my life all over again, I would only purchase (laughs) things with dividends. (laughs) Um. 
the rebalancing situation for you, are you thinking, are you ever going to rebalance? Are you just holding forever? With these three things? No, I don't. And I don't, I guess, formally rebalance at all. Sometimes I, so like not part of this, so like with this and the 1000 or whatever, I'm keeping it steady. But um, generally, like a lot of times I'll try to, I'll just look at like balances and kind of figure out like where I can add more somewhere here and there, but I don't have like an official method. It's really like looking at stuff and being like, Oh, this seems like it's under allocated now. Maybe I should put some more there or whatever. And then I'll go obviously getting advice from my financial advisor as part of that. But yeah, I have no official strategy there. Perfect. Yeah. I'm thinking in my own life, like what Nicole and I have with our financial advisor, which is only like a couple ETFs. But I'm having a meeting. He, no, he's going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. And I need to like sidebar Ooh. with him and be like, hey, do you rebalance? Is that a thing we do? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm, assume that's the case. <laughs> I'm sure he'll say yes. He, he always is like, we need to meet because just we're doing things for you. And I'm because I'm always like, I don't know what you do. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, either Amy <laughs> or my tray. <laughs> All right. Who's, whose investments are next? Rock, paper, scissors. Go for it, Amy. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so Masterworks, I think, is is the wild card in this group. I know everyone has spreadsheets, and I was trying to figure out how to make mine make sense because it's such a different uh, way of going about things. So they appraise the artworks. Um, I'm not sure how often, but maybe once a year, maybe twice. I know that the first one that I got was uh, Yoyoi Kusama, and that was last appraised June 29th of last year. With Masterworks, the way that it works is they buy it, they make it an LLC, then they store it in a in a you know temperature controlled warehouse, and it lives there until they're ready to sell it again. I can buy and sell within my own portfolio, but my intention is to buy a work until they sell it. And and I don't really know how long that's going to take. So then while it's within their possession, uh, it goes through, uh, you know, uh, uh, these appraisal, these occasional appraisals. So my Kusama um, has gone up the gross change that it's uh, implied gross change um, has gone up. I've got a 12.63% increase. Um, but then the other one that I purchased, uh, specifically when I was invited to this group, because I, I bought $500 of shares of the Kusama and I wanted to make sure my OCD was on point and I had a thousand like everybody else. So I bought a Bridget Riley that day. Um, and what's interesting about this is because since that work is still in its early stages, it hasn't gone through a new appraisal yet. So I don't have any data on what that value increase or decrease is. Um, and so what's happening is that uh, there's a net IRR for my entire portfolio, which for the uh, Kusama is 15.5%. Uh, but because Bridget Riley hasn't been appraised yet, that's coming in at zero. So my overall net IRR is down to 7.7%, um, which is still higher than the S&P 500. So that is fine, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's a, a little bit of a, of a long run with this one and just uh, hurry up and wait for the most part. That's awesome. I think. Um, you're very good with numbers too. 
So I just want to ask you the rebalancing question. So how are you going to rebalance these things? Yeah, so this is my fun money account. And um, so I'm not really planning on touching this. I just want to see, I want to actually stay with both of these until they resell because fine arts tend to have uh, 15 to 25% return. Uh, and and kind of the beauty of Masterworks is that, you know, most people can't buy a multi-million dollar painting. And so they just break it up. The shares are always $20 each. And if the, you know, if the piece is valued at 1.3 million, it's however divided by 20. It's very accessible. And I just have my little piece of it. Um, but I'd like to see, I'd like to write it out and see what these end up selling for whenever that time comes. I'm I'm curious if anybody else here has done Masterworks or if anybody's thinking about it. No, I have a question though, if that's okay, Amy. Um, I'm curious, like, how do you actually like resell a share of art when it's kind of like a physical thing? I don't know. Like for, for the wine thing, for example, like Ethan, I, I think I told you I invested in a case as well and you just have the case and then basically it, reaches its kind of peak thing in however many years, and then they're able to sell it um, at that time. I'm curious, like, how it works with art and, like, selling a fraction of an artwork. Yeah, so this is, like, the first time that's ever happened. Masterworks created this way to sell fractional shares. So they, it is, and it's, it's valued at the original purchase, which is a real physical purchase, and then it goes through the SEC for its valuation. And then it's very well protected and stored in a physical warehouse. But what they do is when they purchase that piece, they register the singular artwork as an LLC. And then uh, everyone that buys shares is a shareholder within that singular LLC. So I own shares of Yayoi Kasama's pumpkin but it's a real physical piece that they have then you know opened up to their their shareholders or their investors it's it's a very unique uh, unique situation and i think part of why it's working is because art historically fine arts historically do return so high and so they've just found this way by buying the physical piece and preserving it and then if i do want to sell before they sell it within the Masterworks platform, I can put it for sale to other Masterworks members. So you can trade the share that you own of that artwork on the Masterworks site if you wanted to liquidate your investment before they actually resold it like outside of Masterworks. Yes. And one thing that you bring up a good question that I want to investigate because right now, like the Kusama is valued at 25 and change, but I bought it at 20. But I think that if I sell it early, that is just a projection of the implied gross valuation. So I think if I sold it before it was formally sold, that I would have to sell it at the price I bought it for. Oh, I see. So it's only like revalued at that later time when it's sold externally. Yeah, like they they appraise it, I think once a year. So that's why it's now appraised at a higher number than what I bought it from. Uh, But in order from, you know, but that's all projection. So if I sell early, you know, they can't guarantee that that's going to be the price when they when they do sell it. So that's why I would have to sell it at the same price that I bought it at. 
That's not as cool as I thought. <laughs> I thought I thought like it would then if if you were to sell it back and then somebody else were to see, oh, there's some open shares. Let me get them at the new twenty five dollar level. That's how I thought it worked. But so if you want to liquidate before they sell, you just get out what you put in. Yeah, but the, they sell out a lot of these works sell out so quickly because they only buy really high valued works there. And there's a there's a finite number of shares. Somebody might have missed a Warhol or they missed a Basquiat. You know, like I wasn't ready to buy when like right now there's a there's a Keith Haring for sale and I'm not allowed to buy it because I have to max out my retirement investments first. And that's a rule I gave myself. So I'm missing out on the Keith Haring, which I'd love to have. But maybe, you know, in six months from now, somebody if another member sells some of their shares, even if there's at twenty dollars, if it's the right time for me, I would still buy that and I would still receive the higher valuation. So if I hold it you know, until it sells, then I will still get the whatever it's valued at. So if I buy it and I buy it for 20, but it's but it's implied value is 25. I'm still going to get the higher payout if I stay till the end. I got it. So actually, there's no there's actually no incentive to sell until they sell. But there is incentive to buy if somebody else liquidates. Sure. Yeah. If that's a piece that you're interested in. They almost always have you know, 15, I think it's 15 to 25% uh, is like standard for for artworks to return. And then how long do you hold it for um, before they typically resell it outside of Masterwork? Yeah, that's, and that's something I'm not really sure. Like, I think it depends on just like regular fine art sales. Uh, I don't really know how that larger market works and, and what their incentives are for selling. That's something I should look into for next time. Because that's a great question. I just, I'm not sure how long they hold or like what makes them decide that it's time uh, to sell a piece. So I'll look into that one. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, all right, my tray, last but not least again. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, in our experiment, um, I had two different bond investments. One was the $1,000 of I-bonds and the other one was the JP Morgan corporate bond. The I-bond, so basically they are on a six-month cycle to reevaluate what the interest rate is. So when I got it for those first few months that I was holding it, it was, I think it was 9.6 or something. It was crazy high because inflation was so high. Um, and that's when it was getting a lot of attention. And then um, in November, they reevaluated it down to 6.89, which is still good, but inflation's down, so the bond is down as well um, in terms of, of returns. They will probably, I think they reevaluate in May and November um, of each year. So, and then your the, the bond that you bought initially is locked into your rate only for those six months. Like it, it also re, like it updates every six months. So um, that's the I bond. And then the JP Morgan bond, the interest rates overall in the bond market are going up um, in prices are going down um, just because when the Fed is like raising the interest rates, then pretty much like the other interest rates raise, like rise up along with it. But when you buy the bond, like the coupon rate that I bought was at 8%. So I'd get um, $80 a year, but it would be split up into two $40 payments. So that's kind of like, it's like a dividend in a way. That's um, what I'm getting. And then um, the yield to maturity, which is how they kind of evaluate what you're overall 
return, like up until maturity is, um, based on both the coupon payments and then the difference between like what you paid for it and what you get at the end um, is like four and a half percent. And that's been pretty kind of consistent, actually, um, since I bought it. So that's I, I don't know what that all totals out to, but decent. <laughs> I don't know about the JP Morgan bond, but it sounds like I bonds, if it was 9% when you first got it and then 6% now and the S&P um, and this whole thing for us has gone up to 2.3, then you're still beating the S&P 500. And it just depends on how it reevaluates to in May as well. So it's kind of like for the S&P, you're probably holding it kind of for the longer term. Inflation's hopefully going to continue to go down a little bit more. But at that point, the I-bond will not pay out as much and it might be better to be in the S&P. Overall, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it's still, yeah, at the moment, I guess it's better. I have two questions for you, if I can. So the for the I-bond, when you, buy, when you bought it at 9.6, are you locked in for that just for the six months or for the life of the time? For the six months. Yeah. And that's kind of the risk of the I-bonds. Like we... Ethan and I talked about this a little bit um, in the last conversation, but it was a really, really appealing interest rate last year. And so a lot of people kind of swarmed to it um, and bought a lot of I-bonds, but that rate gets reevaluated every six months and your interest rate changes. Um, So now my interest rate's the 6.89%. If the inflation is like a lot lower in May, then it could be like 4% or 3% or whatever. And then there's also, I mean, there's like a fixed rate and then a variable rate um, that's included there. And so when they put out the 9.6% one, the fixed rate, like the rate that wasn't going to change for the lifetime of the bond was actually zero. So it's all variable. So it's a little bit riskier. These are like some of the caveats that that I was mentioning um, when, when we were discussing I-bonds um, and some of the things you need to consider. So, Yeah. Okay. And you can buy any time during that six month period at that locked rate, correct? Yeah. 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 You can buy any time during that period. You can only buy up to $10,000 worth of them in a year or $20,000 um, for like married, um, like the both of you together can buy 20,000 total, but you can buy any time. And if you buy like one day before the cutoff, before the reevaluation, are you still locked in for six months of it? Or are you only locked in for one day until they reevaluate? whatever it is like at that time. And then as soon as they reevaluate it, then you move to the new rate. So if you buy it right before they reevaluate, then you get a few days of the 9.6 and then move to the 6.89 or whatever. Um, It doesn't like retroactively apply. Um, I also zoned out on um, your JP Morgan bond. Did you say you had two $40 coupons since you've had it? So I think I've had one $40 coupon, but it's, it's twice a year. And they have like specific dates um, that they pay out the coupons. Like it's not, it's not like six months after you buy it. They have like set dates um, for for when the coupons are paid out. So um, I think I've gotten one, and then I should be getting one in the next couple of months or so. Um, so it's like eighty dollars total. Okay, so in total, if you bought a thousand, then you have a thousand eighty. So I think you're you would oh in the end you'll be up eight percent hopefully. So, so the price is actually what changes that. Um, it, yeah, bonds are, they can be confusing. <laughs> um, so you will get $1,000 in the end. So my bond expires in 2031. Wait, 
2027. So when it expires, or not expires, when it matures, I get $1,000 back in addition to the last coupon payment. So the last $40. But I might buy it at a price that's higher than $1,000. So like at a premium. I think I probably bought it for like eleven fifty or something like this. Again, I don't remember. I need to check. So then that changes what your return is because you paid more than you're going to get back, but you also get these coupons back. So then you have to like combine all that information to figure out what your actual return is. So that was the 4.5-ish percent. Like that was the number that I mentioned as the yield to maturity. That tells you what your projected return is going to be when the bond actually matures and you get everything back. I've always thought of bonds as safe and secure, but frankly, looking at Ebony's Tesla, I'm thinking you are both playing the same game here. <laughs> Only it's just the Fed versus Elon Musk. The Fed versus Elon Musk. Sometimes you think they're working together. <laughs> Oops, did I say that out loud? <laughs> okay, this is awesome. All right, so roughly, uh, Maitre, I'm just going to say what percentage you're up or down. We're thinking Maitre overall is up 5%. Sure. <laughs> um, Ebony and Amy are both up 7%. Katie, our superstar, up 11%, down from her 60% or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, and then I'm down 6%, like the proud human being that I am. <laughs> all right, but we're all smiling and we're all happy. So I feel like this is a great, a great thing. Um, let me interrupt our investment chatter to talk about the Artistic Finance Patreon page. And I want to thank our patron, Katie, who is on this call with us. <laughs> uh, because not only does she join us every quarter for this panel um, and is our like public accountant or whatever, uh, but she's also a patron of Artistic Finance. So thank you, Katie. And then Maitre is not a patron per se, but Maitre did give us a one-time donation uh, to Artistic Finance. So, Maitre, thank you for doing that. You're an unofficial patron. <laughs> All right. So, if you're wondering what happens with the Patreon money that I receive for Artistic Finance, 15% of it goes to Patreon fees right off the bat. And that's a bummer, but a necessary expense. 25% I put into other other artists' uh, Patreons, or I give it to um, arts nonprofits. And then the rest goes toward our podcasting hosts, uh, our step and repeat that I got for LDI that I'm very, very proud of. It goes into my microphones and stuff. Um, and then recently, the most recent thing we've done with it is we're now paying $100 a month for a social media manager. So they work roughly an hour a week, and they're doing our Instagram and our Facebook and sort of our LinkedIn. Um, so that is where the Patreon money is going. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who's a patron. You know, not all heroes wear capes, as my sisters like to say. <laughs> and I consider the patrons heroes. Um, so if you want to join up, um, you can do that at patreon.com slash artistic finance. And I, of course, welcome anyone. So now we can get back to talking about investments. Thank you for bearing with me. All right. And now really all I have is the wrap up. And this question is for everyone. What have we learned from doing these investments? So what have we learned either from the investment that you're doing or what have you learned for something I'm doing or somebody else in the group is doing? I think something that um, I've really taken away from tracking this over the past, um, what, year? Over a year at this point um, is 
just how important it is to diversify your investments in a lot of different areas, um, sectors, types of investments. Because I feel like every time we rejoin, like some people are up and other people are down. And then the next time we connect, it kind of changes or switches or moves somehow. Um, and that is sort of telling me, um, at least like qualitatively, um, I Katie can run the numbers, <laughs> um, but but it's telling me qualitatively that we're all kind of, if we combined all of our investments um, and, and like had a really diversified portfolio between all of these different things that we would generally do kind of pretty okay overall for the long term. So that's kind of been interesting to just like hear everyone's performance periodically and be like, oh, well, like I'm up one time and like someone else is down and I'm down and someone else is up and it kind of evens out um, in the long term. So. That's my takeaway. I'd say um, one thing that I think is really interesting I've learned in doing this is the investments in non-financial things like the wine I've learned a lot about over the course of this. Then, you know, last time with the addition of the Masterworks and things like that and learning about alternative ways to invest in items that aren't necessarily financial instruments. And I think it's really cool that there's a lot of options out there now for making that more accessible to people. I guess I always just assumed in the past, like if you want to invest in wine or art or whatever, like you have to physically go buy that thing and then sell it yourself. And um, it's cool to learn that there's avenues to do that elsewhere. And I'd say like for myself, I think it's just kind of reinforcing some of the benefits of things like mutual funds. Whereas uh, my husband would probably tell you that he thinks that's like the granny way of investing. And he's always picking individual stocks and trying to find like what's going to, he has some Tesla and loves it and things like that. Um, he's always going after like tech companies and things like that. So I feel like this just helps kind of reinforce that message of like, even though it might seem like a safer investment, in, in a market we're in right now, sometimes mutual funds actually get end up returning more and it has less less risk. So in times like now, it seems like maybe that's a better idea. But at least for me, maybe not for him, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I what I love about one of the things that this group does that I never thought to do before um, is comparing it to the S&P 500 and using that as, as a weight. Um, to really kind of see where you stand with your investments. So that's definitely something that I, I'd say was on my my learning curve as, as a, a method or a tool. To add to that, Amy, I actually started seeing like more um, companies start like comparing their, their selves to the S&P 500, just because I feel like that is like, um, like a base or like standard, like everyone that like, if you have a background in investing or are more like outside of the beginner realm. I think a lot of people base their structure off of S&P. And so I've started noticing, even when I was digging around on the master works website, like they were comparing their like return to that over the course of like how many years or, or whatever that they've been around. So I thought that that was super cool. Yeah. I definitely think too, that like long before I even ever, felt confident in doing any kind of investing when I had like really low financial IQ. It's one of those things where like I knew the term S&P 500, but I didn't know why. And I didn't know what it meant or what the implications were. It's just it's just such a force and a standard. So that's a good marker. And I will say that 
I think I'll echo Katie's point, which is it's cool to see all the different options. Um, Cause I know I brought in VinoVest for wine um, and Amy brought in Masterworks, but actually like PayPal and the mutual funds and then the, the specific bonds that Maitre is doing, those are things that I've never really considered. And then also Amy mentioned play money earlier, like this is our play money. And I think that's a really important point that none of us here are relying, like this isn't our actual retirement savings. Sure, maybe it will be. And when Bitcoin goes to a million, like I'm going to be like, I'm retiring. (laughs) But it's all like just so we can talk here. And what I think is important is the fact that we are investing. If none of us were investing, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And when we wouldn't be talking about this. And like we all have our own lives. Like we all have jobs. We're all freelancers. We're all doing this. But we're choosing to learn about finance and like do this. It's really good that we've chosen to invest in random things that let's say we want to invest in in our retirement savings. But it's like helping us learn things. It's like, again, I don't follow the news. So I really don't know where the market is every time we meet. But then I sort of learn and it doesn't really change anything. But we're just able to have these conversations. So I'm just glad we're doing it. Yeah, the conversation helps us all learn for sure. And then I was just curious, um, are there any investments um, out there in the world that people in this group are now thinking about? Like, is there any anything that anybody has their eye on? Like, I want to do that. I wanted to get in on the I-bonds when they were 9 point whatever percent, and I didn't. And then it's still a good number. So that's one of the things I keep thinking I'm going to do and quite, haven't quite gotten around to. But I think I, I don't have a lot of bonds in my portfolio either. And I know that's not necessarily what you're supposed to do. But as an older person that, you know, is playing a little bit of catch up, I feel, you know, confident with with the index funds I've chosen uh, to be really aggressive right now. But I know that I should have some kind of bonds in my portfolio to keep things balanced during a downturn. So I've learned a lot about I-bonds. Like, I guess I wasn't as confident to move forward with them because I kind of had heard about them, but I didn't fully understand it. And I feel like I understand it better now where I would be more confident to to move forward. It just seems like a good balance to have. And also another thing that I think is maybe similar, I don't know if you guys have uh, looked at this, but utilities so, you know, are, are pretty good looking into that now too. One of my stock picks uh, is an energy company. Um, so I don't know if it's utilities, utilities, but it's definitely connected and owns a lot of utilities or something. Um, but it's up 40% in the last almost two years since we've held this. And it, and it's paid out a dividend. It's like owning the railroads in Monopoly, I think, which I never did. And I have not ever won Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, to that and Amy. So in my kind of larger investment portfolio, my brokerage account, the one... Um, ETF that's been saving me um, in the past year when everything else was down, basically, was my energy one. It was taking, I don't know, it was steering the ship while everything else was sinking slowly. So um, hopefully that will change. Um, There will be a little more diversification, but energies for sure, like in utilities and all those areas. I'm also intrigued having heard people's investments into individual stocks, but like a variety of them um, and how that's been kind of going for people. I'm kind of intrigued to like invest in more individual stocks and like maybe make like a small portion of my portfolio for that and just kind of play around with it. It's kind of fun, first of all, to like research different companies and really understand kind of what's going on with them and be kind of invested in their journey. Um, And I feel like a fund disconnects you from that a little bit. Um, but like when you're invested in that stock, you're like, okay, 
uh, I have uh, shares in Tesla or whatever. I better like see what's going on um, and kind of understanding their journey. Um, and so that's, I think that's kind of a, a fun experiment, um, but also could be a good like portion of an investing strategy um, that may get you like, it's, it's higher risk, but it could get you kind of outsized returns as well. So um, I think that's something I'm going to do is like more individual stocks. Interesting. My trade, the very safe bond investor is saying <laughs> they're going to pick more individual stocks. This is, I did not see this coming. <laughs> as well as very responsible treasury bonds <laughs> to, to, to outweigh the stock risk. But yes. Okay. All right. So since we last met last quarter, a listener messaged me and said they invested $10,000 in VinoVest in wine. Yeah, right? Crazy, I know. So they just doubled our 5K investment. <laughs> um, so anyway, all I'm saying is that this 6K special that we started with, okay, I did 6K for artistic finance. Katie did three $1,000 investments. Um, I traded two. Ebony did one. Amy did one, or $1,000 total. Uh, and then we have the $10,000 person who went into VinoVest. So that's $23,000. All I'm saying is that, you know, small actions becoming big actions like artistic finance. Okay, we have 150 listeners every week. So like compared to the 8 billion people on the planet, we're like, we don't even show up in a statistic. But we've moved $23,000, which is like, I don't know, I'm sort of like scared by. <laughs> I mean, it's not all one person's money, but it's still like that's some sort of version of compounding. All right. So final question which is, can we get an update on everybody's life, career? Yeah, let's get an update. I'll jump in. Um, I am doing pretty good work-wise. Just got back from Texas not too long ago. Gearing up for, uh, right now is like a slow period. And I have a couple of gigs lined up. And I'm sure uh, slowly here I'll be drowning uh, again. But it's very quiet, so I'm enjoying all of this like time and relaxation. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm I'm so happy to hear that, Ebony. And the Eagles won. I went to the same school, high school as Jalen Hurt from Channel View. We're calling it B side now. So like you know, East Side, and, like put a B in front of it. Um, <laughs> so I'm very excited about the Eagles winning. Like that's super super awesome. Super Bowl is going to be great. So I'm very excited about that. I just have to chime in because I'm originally from Philly and I don't normally care about football, but I am a dedicated Fairweather fan and I'm very happy for our birds. <laughs> so in that note, life is good for the van life. Uh, no mad here. Um, yeah, that's so wonderful to hear, Amy. I'm really happy about that. I guess I'll chime. I'll say on the football topic, though, I just looked it up while you guys were talking and the Chiefs did edge out the Bengals there by a few points. So I'm on the Chiefs side, unfortunately, but <laughs> like, well, fortunately for the Eagles, but I'm excited to see the Chiefs going back to the Super Bowl again. But outside of that, <laughs> I don't know that I have any major updates. Yeah, work has been busy for me, but it's good, consistent. So my kids are good. I'm excited to see Ethan in a couple weeks when... He comes in town with his big life changes, celebrating them. We're going to have a baby shower and we don't follow sports. So somebody said, well, that's Super Bowl weekend that you're coming in. And so we're having our baby shower. We were like, did we do it at the same time as the Super Bowl? We're one day earlier. 
Yeah, I was going to say, your baby shower's on Saturday. That doesn't affect you. Um, I also love that we talk about football on the quarterly updates. It must be how the season works out. Because on all the other 131 episodes of Artistic Findings, we don't mention football at all. And yet somehow every quarter on this, we're talking football. <laughs> Always on in our house. My husband's a fantasy player. So we're watching every time the football's on. We're at least checking on it. Not necessarily watching it religiously, but always checking in <laughs> all right my my tray wait did you already give us an update i can't remember uh not yet um uh, uh i have not been following football this year i'm usually a very avid nfl fan but this year it's just been whack um so not as much um but i started snowboarding again just a quick little summary last december december 2021 I had a hit and run accident or was the receiving on the receiving end of a hit and run accident and broke my clavicle. So uh, on a snowboard. <laughs> um, so I was, uh, I had to get surgery and all of this and was very terrified to get back on ski slopes, but did it and I didn't die and all was well. So um, yeah, so I'm officially snowboarding again, which is fun. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Ebony. Um, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully I'm, I've been going through this registration process to become kind of licensed as an investment advisor um, and my state, but also be able to help clients um, kind of outside of the state, depending on how many. The Colorado state securities folks told me um, either last Friday, Thursday, or this coming, hopefully Monday or Tuesday. And I didn't hear from them Thursday or Friday. So I think it's coming in basically either tomorrow or the day after, which is really exciting because that's been ongoing um, just to get like licensed. It's a huge process, taking exams and writing legal forms and whatnot. So I am very, very close to ready to help people manage their money, which I'm super excited about. Now, very relevant for this. <laughs> yeah, super relevant. So it sounds like you're becoming a financial professional. So Katie's disclaimer is not going to work soon enough. <laughs> I'll have to give like a 15 minute now. <laughs> You'll be like, click on this link for the disclaimer that I had to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Four amateurs plus my tray. Oh, <laughs> I think I'm still a bit of an amateur. <laughs> so I'm still in the club. <laughs> okay. Well, my update is that Nicole is doing an amazing job with the newsletter, the artistic finance newsletter, and that's coming up the monthly one in just a couple days. Oh, I lied. Actually, this is going to air next week. So the newsletter just came out. Nicole did an amazing job with it for February. And if you want to receive that newsletter, which recaps all our episodes for the month, go to artisticfinance.com and hit the newsletter tab and then put in your email. All right. And then the other update is that last week we recorded the first Financial Independence Book Club meeting that is headed up by the one, the only Amy D. Lux. It was a super awesome event. I had a great time. We had the actual author of the book, Lillian Karabake, on the show. They were amazing. Next month, we are reading You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincaro. And so that meeting is February 26th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and 6 p.m. in London. Carl Faber, who is our guest on episode 100, is going to be presenting, and he is a badass at many, many things. But anyway, if you want to sign up for the book club or you want to get the Zoom link for that, uh, you can also visit artisticfinance.com and hit the book club tab. Wait, can I give a quick plug, Ethan, for your newsletter? Oh, by all means. <laughs> I read your newsletter end-to-end -end every month. 
Um, <laughs> it's it's the best time, and Ethan and Nicole have the most adventurous life, and it's so fun to read about all your adventures because you include that as well, like in addition to your updates in artistic finance. It's always great to read what you've been up to and your baby. Oh wait, can I say that? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, baby's out. Baby's baby Roth Ira Steinle. Baby what? <laughs> Roth Ira Steinle. <laughs> Baby Roth Ira Steinwell. <laughs> Baby Roth Ira Steinwell is going to have a very adventurous and financial education filled life. Yes. <laughs> I know when I was talking to you, and I still haven't decided yet, but when I was looking up gifts for you for the baby shower, which I know technically I'm not supposed to bring to the baby shower, but I was trying, I was like, I feel like finance book for babies that I can find. <laughs> like, Ethan would love this. And I've actually found a lot. Yeah, we need picture books. We need, if you could find, because we want the baby to speak a language also that's not English. So Ooh. bilingual, I suppose is the word. We want the baby to be bilingual. So if you could get a finance book for children that's also like in Spanish or French or German <laughs> or Mandarin, whatever, you pick the language, sure that'll, that'll be, be the one. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> um, Maitre, thank you for saying that too, because every month we get to newsletter time and we're like, oh, we didn't do anything. Last month was just a moment ago. Like we didn't do anything. And then we end up like with like a 12 page newsletter. But nobody to be dissuaded. You can skim it. You don't have to read it end to end like Maitre does. <laughs> no, read it end to end. It's the funnest. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I like it for the life updates too. It's, you know, listen to the episodes to, to hear all the rest of the updates. I'm, it's nice to see where you guys are going and what you've been up to. <laughs> Um, amazing. All right. So that's it for this update. But before we all go, I just want us all to say our Instagram handles. So and there'll be links uh, to your LinkedIn's, etc. in the show notes. But just really quickly on Instagram, Ebony, we can find you at Ed Madry. Ed Madry. Katie, we can find you at KT. That's the letter K, the letter T, Burr, B-U-H-R. So Katie Burr. Amy, we can find you at Utopia Dreamscape. My my Trey, where can we find you on Instagram? I don't use Instagram much, but it's my first name, last name, my Trey Gopalakrishnan. I didn't know. I thought you were just gonna say liquidify. Or liquidify. I guess I have both. I'm not very well versed with Instagram, I have to say. So LinkedIn is probably better for me, but all right, LinkedIn for my Trey or follow at Liquidify on Instagram. All right, so I uh, oh right, me. You can find me at Ethan Steimel or at Artistic Finance. Everybody here, thank you so much again for your time, for your energy. Man, we had a lot of energy today. <laughs> um, so hopefully I'll see you all in May for our Q4 review and our three-year anniversary of Artistic Finance. All right. <laughs> and then Amy and I will see any of our book club members on February 26th. So, and you're all invited. And you don't, also secret about our book club is you don't have to read the book. You can just show up. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, get the summary, get our takeaways. You can just type your questions in the chat or jump into it in the conversation at the Q&A. It's amazing. Um, all right, so that's it for today. So until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.